What up, Cavs Nation? I'm your host, Ethan Sands, and this is another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Today's a solo dolo episode of the pod as your boy prepares for the road trip to Chicago and Dallas with the holidays mixed in between. But before the flights take off, I want to get into the recent homestand for the Cavs. Let me pull out this laundry list for y'all. Darius Garland and Evan Mobley are scheduled to be out at least a month as Darius has a fractured jaw and Evan underwent arthroscopic surgery on his left knee that'll have him out closer to two months. Not to mention that Ty Jerome has been out since injuring his ankle against the Thunder in preseason and hasn't played since October 27th. He's been on a roller coaster of recovery as he'll progress, but then not be able to get past a certain point. It's not been described as a setback, but he's still working on getting back fully healthy and returning to the Cavs. We even saw him this week taking shots after a shoot around in his walking boot, as well as Ricky Rubio being away from the team to focus on his mental health. These were all the players that the Cavs were expecting to be out during this home stretch. And then you add Donovan Mitchell to that list as he has a non-COVID-related illness that sidelined him against his former team in the Utah Jazz on Wednesday and also on Thursday against the Pelicans. Speaking of Thursday's game against New Orleans, Sam Merrill apparently fell on his shooting hand during his career night on Wednesday when he logged 27 points on eight made threes, then tried to play against the Pels, missed his first four shots, and was told by the medical team that he wouldn't be able to return to the second half. Woo, that's a mouthful. Somehow, someway, the Cavs went 3-1 and one over this four-game stretch. So without a doubt, even with the recent loss to the Pelicans, this was a success. The Cavs simply couldn't overcome the amount of scoring that they lost, and it seemed like each night there was a hero and Sam Merrill was the man in back-to-back games. The game against the Pelicans wrapped up with the Cavs giving minutes to two-way players and guys who haven't seen a lot of minutes this season, Imani Bates, Isaiah Mobley, and Damian Jones, all checked in with just four minutes left to play in that game. And one thing was certain. They are benefiting from getting reps in the G League and getting consistent development at that level. It seemed like they aren't at the point where they could be making a contribution at the NBA level. So why take minutes away from them that they could be getting at the G League level? It's important for them to get that development, to get them reps, and all those good things. But the star of the show on Thursday was Dean Wade, who tried to become the newest member of the Cavs hero story, dropping a season-high 20 points and matching a career-high with six three-pointers made. He was just two points away from tying his career high. We talked to the team after the game, and they were adamant that they wanted Dean to continue to have confidence in himself and his shot and to not pass up open looks. Fans have consistently questioned why Dean Wade plays a substantial number of minutes, why he starts, and the answer has usually been his impact on the defensive end of the floor. 
But on Thursday, he showcased his ability to step up on the offensive end. And I think it was an eye-opener for a lot of people because Dean doesn't take a lot of shots normally. Those shots go to Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Max Struess, and as of recently, Sam Merrill, which limits his opportunities and also puts the shots that he does take and their percentages under a microscope. To put it in perspective, Dean's 11 field goal attempts against the Pelicans on Thursday was just the eighth time in his career that he's taken more than 10 shots in a game, with his maximum being 14 against the Nets in 2021. This was only the second game outside of 2021 when he's taken more than 10 shots. So it's easy to say his opportunities have been few and far between with the ball in his hands. And yet, he came into the game with the third highest three-point percentage on the Cavs, shooting 37% from behind the arc, behind only Sam Merrill and Isaac Okoro. So I'd say we should put some more respect on Dean's name, at least in the short term. Is he going to be the leading scorer for the Cavs each night? No. Will he get the same opportunities when the Cavs are fully healthy? Probably not. But the consistent theme of this homestand has been how each night a player for the Cavs has stepped up. And they've needed it. It also can't go without saying the difficult task that has been placed in the hands of an undrafted rookie to lead an offense. But Craig Porter Jr. has been cool, calm, and collected from the jump. He tallied a career-high 11 assists against the Pelicans with just two turnovers. Obviously, the bench has some high-energy guys in Tristan Thompson and George Niang, and those guys are crucial in keeping the guys up, excited, and attentive. But it's always necessary to have teammates with level heads who never get too high or too low, no matter the situation or the minutes that they're playing, and that's been Craig and Sam this season. Two players who weren't expected to get much playing time this season with the depth of this roster that the Cavs built specifically based on what happened in the playoffs against the Knicks. And yet, these guys have been thrust into a main character role. Well, maybe not main character. More so like a side character, especially with all the injuries going on. Craig as the orchestrator of the offense with Darius and Donovan out, and Sam the knockdown shooter who draws the eyes of the entire defense with his shooting ability. The roles of these kinds of players are becoming ever important in a league that is leaning further into big threes and star players being the head of snakes. This Cavs team is proving to be potential threats if J.B. Bickerstaff can find a way to maximize his players' efficiency when the team is fully healthy. And that will be something that we'll have to look forward to when the guys get back and to see what J.B. Bickerstaff is able to do over these next couple of games with the players that he has. But Chris would kill me if I didn't say this. The Cavs are not going to make a hasty decision on J.B. Bickerstaff and his role with the team, especially after all he's done to get this organization to where it is today. With that, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to look at the two road games that the Cavs have scheduled before they head back home to close out the year. But before then, become a Cavs insider and interact with Chris and I by subscribing to Subtext. 
for folks in Chicago and Dallas. This is where you can send me food recommendations and I can get back to you with my ratings. So do me a solid and sign up for a 14-day free trial or visit cleveland.com backslash cav and click on the blue bar at the top of the page. If you don't like it, that's fine. All you have to do is text the word stop. It's easy, but we can tell you that the people who sign up Stick around because this is the best way to get insider coverage on the Cavs from Chris and myself. This isn't just our podcast. It's your podcast. And the only way to have your voice heard is through subtext. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. It's the first road trip of your boy's NBA beat writer career, and I could not be more excited. The first stop is Chicago. The Windy City is awaiting the Cavs as they'll take on the Bulls on Saturday. It'll give the team a much-needed off day beforehand to try and recuperate. It'll also give your boy a little chance to check out the city. I've never been to Chicago, so that's also why I'm excited for this trip. But the Cavs need this off day more than any other team in the league, maybe outside the Utah Jazz but especially for someone like Sam Merrill, who couldn't finish Thursday's contest with right wrist soreness. Davey Bickerstaff wasn't adamant on saying whether Sam will or won't be able to play against the Bulls, but it's obvious that he's hopeful as Sam led the team to two wins with his shooting ability, but also the spacing he provides and the attention he requires from opposing defenses. Let's get into the opposition, the Bulls who most around the league consider to have been struggling this season, have won four of their last five games and coming off a near 20-point win over the San Antonio Spurs. Obviously, players like Alex Caruso, DeMar DeRozan, and Nikola Vucevic can all prove difficult for different opponents, and the Cavs will have to make a decision as to whether they'll stick Isaac Okoro on DeRozan or if they'll use Dean Wade in that matchup. Based on Cleveland using Dean on Brandon Ingram in their latest game, that's who I'd assume would check DeMar at least to start the game and give the opportunity to switch to Isaac depending on how Dean is doing in that matchup. That's what I've been seeing and that's what who I would think that JB would stick on DeMar based on size, based on Dean's ability to move his feet and things of that nature. The Cavs are also hoping to get back their star guard, Donovan Mitchell, who's missed the last two games with a non-COVID-related illness. He could potentially return on this road trip. Looking ahead, Cleveland would surely like to have Donovan back for the latter of the road trip against the Mavericks after a short three-day break between the matchups and for the holidays. The Mavericks are 6th in the league in points per game with two of the best scorers in the game and possibly the best ball handler of all time in Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. While the Cavs have defensive pieces that can try and slow those two down, there isn't any true stopping them. And without Mitchell, it's hard to say that Cleveland would have the offense to keep up with the Mavericks offense. But with Donovan on the court, The Cavs have a healthier chance of not only throwing more defensive schemes out, but putting up an offensive fight. 
Everybody knows that the Cavs winning got Donovan to be a closer, but he's also been able to show that when his teammates are out, when other players are hurt, he can step up on the offensive end, obviously showcase that in the 71-point game performance last year and has had multiple 30- and a 40-point game this year to showcase that as well. But we'll have to wait and see who's healthy and who's not for the Cavs. They're currently 7th in the Eastern Conference and just a game behind Orlando for the 4th seed. Ahead of them are Miami by half a game and New York who also has the same record as Orlando and is just a game above the Cavs in the standings. It's definitely a tight race and although as Chris says they don't need to chase wins, looking at the standings and seeing you're in the running or top of the league with Boston, Milwaukee, and the 76ers, who seemingly are in a different tier of gameplay, is endearing at this point of the season, especially with all the injuries that have been going on, including the top three scores for the Cavs being out, and with Darius Garland and Evan Mobley being out for the foreseeable future. With all that being said, That'll wrap up today's episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Thank you for rocking with your boy as he went solo dolo. But remember to become a Cavs insider and interact with Chris and I by subscribing to Subtext. Sign up for a 14-day free trial or visit cleveland.com backslash Cavs and click on the blue bar at the top of the page. If you don't like it, that's fine. All you have to do is text the word STOP. It's easy, but we can tell you that the people who sign up stick around because this is the best way to get insider coverage on the Cavs from me and Chris. This isn't just our podcast, it's your podcast. And the only way to have your voice heard is through subtext. Y'all be safe. We out.